Who are they? How did they get here and where are they now? I'm Tyson Chastain, Director of Alumni Relations with Johnson University, and this is the Sojournal Podcast. The Sojournal Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University and is brought to you by the Alumni Association. Whether you graduated from Central Florida Bible College, Johnson Bible College, Florida Christian College, or Johnson University, you are a part of the alumni family. Join the Alumni Association and help encourage and equip alumni and students as they pursue kingdom-focused vocations. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash alumni. Today, we're joined in the Sojournal podcast by 1977 Johnson University, Tennessee graduate, John Knoll. John, welcome to the Sojournal podcast. Thank you. It's quite an honor to be a part of this. Well, well, we really appreciate you giving us your time and look forward to our discussion today. So to get started, just for those who do not know you, because obviously we have alumni who are listening in who are part of the uh, Florida side of our alumni base. And of course, we have a lot of Tennessee alumni who wouldn't know you either. So would you just kind of introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is John Noel or Noel. You'll hear both sides. My wife is Gail. She is also a graduate. Um, of Johnson Bible College, as it was for us, and um, the year, uh, two years before me, um, and we got married the year after I got out, we've had uh, three children, and we have three grandchildren, and I've, this is the fifth church I've been at um, in, since I graduated, they've all been in youth ministries, and children's ministries for 34 years, and then, since then, I uh, have become in the area of care ministry. And I did that for about eight to nine years at Kingsway. And now I came to Connection Point in Brownsburg about a year ago doing that ministry where I will finish up. Hopefully this is my last one. So my so permanent one. Yeah. <laughs> you are in. Uh, OK, so you're the Connections Minister at what's the name of the church? It's called Connection Point Christian Church, and it's in Brownsburg. And I'm part of their care ministry team. Okay, Brownsburg, Indiana. Yes. Good. Make sure we're clear on that. Um, you said you met your wife, Gail. Or, well, you didn't say you met her here, but you said that Gail graduated two years before you. So how did you meet Gail? Right. She was a year ahead of me, and I went five years, uh, and she went four. So that's why we had two years of dating while she was in Indiana, um, and I was finishing up at Johnson. But we met at Johnson. We were like great friends, became some best friends. We did devotionals, ran all kinds of fun things. Uh, my roommate, one of hers, us four became great friends. And actually the other two were the ones that were dating and me and Gail were friends. And as it ended up, they broke up and Gail and I got together and um, permanently. So it's kind of funny how that all worked out. So John, I know you fairly well, and I know that you happen to have a family history with Johnson University. So why don't you explore that a little bit? Tell me about your family connection with Johnson. Right. My dad graduated uh, from Johnson in, oh my goodness, I think it was 1946. And, um, and then my oldest brother, he graduated and he's six years older than me. And my youngest brother graduated. He's six years younger than me. We had two sisters as well. And it, it was kind of interesting in that all three boys entered the ministry and both girls married ministers. Huh. So it kind of stayed in the family. Right. So did either one of the sisters come to Johnson? No. My oldest sister actually went to Manhattan Christian mm -hmm. College. We, we lived in Kansas for uh, about six years. 
and um, and that's right where Manhattan was. Mm-hmm. And so she got married and stayed there and went to that college with the um, her husband. And then my other sister went to Milligan ever since she was two, two uh, second grade. She visited there and said, I'm going to go to Milligan and be a teacher. And that's exactly what she did. <laughs> she didn't so. have any interest in teacher education at Johnson. huh? Nope. She <laughs> neither one of my sisters. It's kind of interesting how the three boys did. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the name of your two brothers are? Keith and Jeff. Keith and Jeff. So Keith is the older and Jeff is the younger? Right. Okay. Right. Very good. So uh, how in the world did you decide to go to Johnson? Was it like, was there pressure on you from your dad or? <laughs> ah, that's funny. Actually, not at all. I mean, he knew, uh, my sister told me, that he knew to never say anything about that because then I definitely would not go. I was <laughs> that kind. And um, actually, um, I, you know, back then they didn't have youth ministers. And so um, church camp is what really I went to once a year and what really got me um, intact every year with God. And then I was at a youth, some kind of a gathering. I don't know what it was. We had a special speaker and Larry Kenneman from Johnson was talking and kind of emotional. He said, you know, cause I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to go into ministry. And he, he just simply said, after he gave a testimony, um, I'll be, I'll be okay here. My um, little granddaughter just lost her dad yesterday mm. at 36 years old. So I'm pretty emotional here today. So that's the reason for the that. tears. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard on us, but but all is good. And they just asked me to do the funeral, so oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little emotional today. But I, he gave a great talk. It was really good to high school students. And he ended up by saying, you know, I don't didn't know what I wanted to do when I was in high school, but I did know one thing. After I've learned how much um, God loves me and gave His Son for me, um, I knew I wanted to go to Bible college. From there, I didn't know. But I knew I wanted to start out that way after high school, going to Bible college, totally giving my life to God and getting my life where I needed to be 100 percent. And then uh, going from there. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that's me. That's what I need to do. Hmm. And I visited Johnson. I didn't know which college, but I visited on a homecoming. And um, and that was so amazing the way the students, you know, accepted me and um, pulled me right in, and took me all around and on their own. Nobody asked them to. And that's what did it for me. I was like, wow, this is a great place. So, wow. Now, were you living in Kansas at the time? Where were you? We were actually at that time we were living in Pittsburgh. Okay. Pennsylvania. Yeah. And so your dad was coming here to homecoming because this is where he graduated. Right. He went every year and we, we didn't go, of course, but that was probably my junior or senior junior year, I think. And for some reason, uh, we went, and that was the year that the Phillips Welshmer building. Uh, she got up and announced that she was going to give what six million dollars to Johnson Bible College to build this building, and nobody knew that announcement in the old chapel. And I was blown away because right after that announcement was made, everybody unanimously stood up and said. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Started singing. And nobody introduced it. Nobody played it. Everybody stood up and I went, oh, my goodness. Is that a God thing? Like, how did that happen? How did they all know to sing that song right then? And at the same time, it just totally blew my mind. And um, so it was just like God driven the whole way through. 
Mm. Yeah, that was really cool. So in your high school years, did you have any sort of a, a bent toward wandering or finding your own way or, or were you pretty consistent in being focused on uh, living a Christian life? Well, you know, I was a preacher's kid and I was a very rebellious preacher's kid. I, I didn't get into trouble or anything like that. I was a good kid, but I just didn't really know where I wanted to go. I think that was part of God's journey is nothing settled. I was much into carpentry. I love that. But and I, 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 I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Nothing stood out. And I think there was a reason for that. You know, God was like, I'm doing that so Otherwise, you might not do what I want you to do. Um, I was a, a really good tennis player um, all through my junior high and high school years. And so I did have a tendency to maybe go to Milligan so I could play on their tennis team, hopefully. But that got squandered when I heard uh, Larry give that testimony. Hmm. Well, now, you, you could have gone to Milligan for ministry, though, couldn't you? I could have. I, I just think God... I don't think I know that God wanted me to go to Johnson. And so I, and I never visited Milligan. I never saw it. So I just believe God lined everything up to put my interest in Johnson and to not go anywhere else. And when I saw the way everything unfolded, it was obvious that is where God wanted me to go. Mm. How old were my, you uh, when you came to that homecoming? My junior year it was your in high school. Mm. Yeah. That's neat the way the students kind of instantly took you in and yeah, you feel like a part. They did. Uh, invited me to stay in their room with them um, and then took me around and showed me places, to, you know, ate the meals with me. Um, it really was, it was much smaller then and very tight. But, um, you know, why did they include a high school kid? That's what I couldn't believe. They're college kids. Why would they be interested in me? But mm -hmm. they, I could tell they were genuinely interested. And they didn't push me either to come here. They just, they just like included me as a, as a person, as a friend and included me in their everyday life. And there was no conversation about, you know, Hey, you want to do this or that? Just, it was real. The whole weekend was real, full of integrity. And I think that's what really struck me. Nobody's pushing me. Hmm. Everybody's just being a friend and showing the love of God. So when you came to Johnson, then, did you have a narrow focus or were you kind of, okay, I'm here now. What am I going to do? That's a very good question for me because I absolutely did not know what I was going to do at all. I knew I did not want to go into ministry. That was not me because I was a very, very, very shy kid, as shy as you ever wanted to know all through high school. But at Johnson, I believe that's another reason why God brought me there. You know, you're accepted at Johnson. Everybody's accepted at Johnson. And, and so my self-esteem grew and grew and grew. And I, came out of my shell one of my high school teachers i saw him when i came back and he said you're like a flower that blossomed but in my sophomore year i learned about me and bob lucky from johnson we learned about the um i wanted to be a pilot funny thing i learned later my dad always wanted to be a pilot too and he gave that up to go to johnson and um i was going to become a bush pilot in this program where there's 10 steps and so me and bob lucky thought that's it and that's what we're going to do so we enrolled and we were in the third step and that's when I traveled for Johnson in the summer and those, the reflections and another group for Johnson. And, um, and I got to know these high school kids at camps and saw them going back to churches with no youth minister, terrible home lives. And, you know, eight weeks of camp that summer. And 
after seeing that eight weeks in a row, I thought, oh my goodness, I want, I want my own kids. Like I want to be a youth minister and, um, and have my own group. So they have somebody to come back to. Hmm. They don't have it at home. They don't have anything. And I just really, God put that. And what's really cool. One of the things I love about my ministry is when I came out of Johnson, I was roommates with Todd my last year, Todd Brown. And their youth ministry just came into being. Just, it was just starting. So when we were graduating, like that, our senior year, there were churches everywhere that wanted a youth minister, but there were, there were not any, hardly any youth ministers. So we each had a stack of 40 or 50 churches asking us to come be their youth minister, me and Todd. Wow. And, and we had numerous um, conversations about how do we know which one? Right. And that was really cool. And, um, but I remember those specifically with Todd and, and it's really cool how he, God called us both to a different place, but it was neat because I got to enter youth ministry when it first began, I got to watch it grow more and more youth ministers and the conferences started beginning and going to them and being part of them. And I got to see it just take off, which is really cool to be a part of that. Hmm. And I stayed five years because I, in my, later in my sophomore year, I, me and Todd decided to stay an extra year and try to get two degrees, you know, our bachelor's and in music. So, and we thought we can travel another year and get more classes in and stuff like that. And we both went for free with all the scholarships and it was so cheap back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how that, so either my first or second junior is when I um, decided after traveling, I wanted to be a youth minister. Now at the time, Johnson did not have a program for youth ministry, did it? No, I don't think there were any youth ministry classes at all. So what, saved me was I went to Ozark Christian College. They had a youth ministry conference. Oh, uh-huh. In my senior year, my very last year in December, January, I went to that conference and that gave me everything I needed to have the conference to start. If it wouldn't have been for that, I don't know what I would have done. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you said that you're at Connection Point in Brownsburg, Indiana. This is your fifth church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where did you go out of Johnson? Out of Johnson, I went to Martinsville. Martinsville, Indiana. Um, right. Mm-hmm. So I've been in Martinsville for four of the five ministries. I mean, Indiana for the five. And I was there four years and um, not real long, but just circumstances why I needed to move on. And um, which was hard because we loved it there. Very, very hard. And um, so we moved to um, North Carolina, Winston-Salem. And we were at Pinedale uh, uh-huh. Church of Christ there. And I did youth ministry again for eight years. And I, I got burned out hmm. on youth ministry. You know, I, I needed a change. I needed a challenge. And it was so cool because I just couldn't get motivated to work or anything. And I thought I was going through midlife crisis. I go down to my shop at work at night and I just cry over nothing. And I, I just couldn't get motivated to do ministry. And my wife and I through prayer and talking, we realized God has something else he wants me to do. And we had fun talking about, well, what will it be? you know, life groups or uh, whatever. And we didn't know. And then, um, but we knew he was calling us. So we, he gave us peace. It was really cool. It's like, he said, John and Gail, it's okay. I got this. Just go do what you do. Let it go. Give it to me. And when the time's right, I'll let you know. And sure enough, about eight months later in in September of, uh, oh, wow. 87. I got a call from Dennis Fulton specifically saying, John, I've searched the nation high and low. We need a children's minister. I've already done my work. You're the one I want. He said, now my job is to convince you to come here. 
And I knew right then after what we'd been through that um, that was it. So it all just went like clockwork. And they kept saying all through the whole interview, this is a challenge. This is a challenge. Little did they know that was like ringing in my ear because <laughs> my wife kept saying, you, you need a challenge. And I did. And so I was calm through the whole interview. And, and that was weird because I had only been in churches like 400. And this was a church of 2000 mm. in 1987, December, which is interesting because back then, Chapel Rock was the third largest Christian church in the country mm. at that time at 2000. Pretty hard to believe, isn't it? Right. Yeah. And so it was quite an unbelievable opportunity. So uh, Dennis Fulton specifically selected you, called you, said, I want you for our children's ministry at Chapel Rock. Did Dennis know you from anybody else beforehand? I mean, had, had you encountered yes. him? Okay. Not much. He knew me from Johnson Bible College, mm -hmm. and he knew my dad, and that was really about it. Um, one of my friends, Steve Fair, um, saw him at a minister's meeting and said, you should check out John Knoll. And that's how, and that's also a bug in his ear. But I'll tell you, for any senior minister out there, you want to know how to get somebody to be your staff. You really want do it the way Dennis Fulton did. I mean, when somebody like, especially Dennis Fulton, like, you know, at that time, he was like the guy, right. president of trustees at Johnson, president of North American. And uh, to call you and say, I've searched the nation high and low. I've done all my work. I've already called all of your um, references. <laughs> references. And I'm like, well, I didn't give you any. He goes, I didn't. You will, but those will all be positive. He said, I've called your camp manager. I've called your dad. I've called people you've worked with previously. I mean, he was so sharp. And to call and tell me that, to know that, it's over. There's no getting into running and wondering how it's going. Oh, no, it's just it. If you want it, it's yours. It, but let's go through the process of that. That really is that's like going to somebody in your church to volunteer and saying, hey, will you work with our youth program? The kids want you to come. Hmm. They're the ones saying we'd like to have Joe work with us. Now, what does that say to Joe? Like the battle's already fought. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. and, and that was just it's giving me chills now just thinking about that. It's really cool. I, I know I have a limited knowledge of, you know, the history of Chapel Rock. Uh, I knew that it was a mega church before there were mega churches. You know, it was it was the church right. doing all the up and coming things. I mean, honestly, that's why I even know anything about Chapel Rock is um, my dad, you know, went to uh, divorce recovery uh, courses or, or whatever there at Chapel Rock. And my oldest brother got married at Chapel Rock and. It was wow. just because it was the church that was known in the community. And so, it was. Yeah. I mean, every weekend, I'm, I'm telling you, Tyson, every weekend, there was a quote biggie from the Brotherhood that was coming. Uh, Noful Staten's coming this week, you know, because <laughs> they were coming either to see and meet with, you know, Dennis or to just see this building. I mean, the, um, it, if you looked at the, the growth chart from the day it began to that moment, there was not even a leveling out. It was just like a skyrocket. I remember thinking by Easter, where are we going to put that many more kids mm. and try to figure out the rooms, you know, four months away, how we don't have enough room for that. How are we going to do that? So it was, it was just a great organization to be a part of. And Dennis was just an amazing leader. I learned so much from him as an administrator. So it they was were pretty amazing. They were already located at uh, 2020 girls school. When you came, is that correct? <laughs> right, right. 
They've been in that building, I don't know, maybe five or six years, something like that. Okay. So from Martinsville, Indiana to Winston-Salem, North Carolina to Pinedale to Chapel Rock Christian Church. How many years were you at Chapel Rock? I was there eight and a half. Eight and a half. Years. Mm -hmm. And And dominantly children's ministry. Right. I'd moved to that area and I was in charge of all that. And also the preschool. I ran that as well. Um, And then, you know, uh, things weren't quite the same at Chapel Rock. That's a whole nother story. Um, I got some really good advice uh, to move on. And uh, so we did. And it's amazing how God put that all together. It really is. It was a God story each time uh, to move the Kingsway. And so I moved there doing the same thing. And I did that children's ministry. I was there 25 years. And I don't know how I did 34 and a half years of children youth ministries. You know how many VBSs, camps, retreats, lock-ins, kickoffs, that is? Every year when I think of it, it's like, wears me out. But I, I look back and, and that's another whole story of people ask me, how did you survive? It's another whole story of things God did through the years. Because I did get burnt out again and again. And God had his way of reviving me and bringing me back until it was time to move on. And then when I moved on to care ministry, that's a whole nother story. Cool. How God, little did I know how God was preparing me in children and youth ministries to do care ministry. Like it was so cool because now I feel like I can finally do ministry, you know, in, in youth and children, you're so busy in all the function of the, the administration, the building and gathering and materials, recruiting that it's hard to have time for ministry. And to finally be able, number one, my first, I can sit with my wife in church now, completely sit with her with nothing on my mind. That was my first thing. And number two, it was, um, wow, I can do ministry. I can make a hospital call and not feel guilty about the time. And I can stay there as long as I want. You know, I mean, to get to make that move at my age after being burnt out was like, wow, this is amazing. But what's really cool is while at Chapel Rock, if you would have told me I was going to move to a church seven miles down the road west and then to say then you'll move seven miles north to a church it, they're a seven mile triangle from each other i would have said there's no way i will absolutely i would not do that <laughs> and that just in the cap last few months it's been the most amazing eye op- eye opener of why god did that it's in fact i was telling the story to my staff and they want me i mean my care ministry team and we have a big um six by six planning meeting coming up and they want me to share that story there um because it kind of fits in with the budget so yeah it's really cool god has a plan and even when you get old he still has a plan for you and i'll tell you that is cool because you kind of feel forgotten by the rest of the world but god doesn't forget about you Mm. isn't that cool that is cool my goodness, you've you've loaded so much there that it's like I want to ask you these questions. I, I think we'll get to it incrementally as we go on a little bit. Um, right. You 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 went to Kingsway out of Chapel Rock. Kingsway was a plant of Chapel Rock, was it not? Right. It was not a split. It was a plant, and a number of families, I think seven, if I remember right, couples, uh, said we will go help start this church seven miles down the road, and. Um, and yes, it was a plant. And John Cowboys, you know, came a year after they started and he was there the whole time until just a few years back. And so you were there for 25, 20, 25 years. Yeah. Hard to, hard to believe. So yeah. then did the, did the ministry staff at Connection Point in Brownsburg call you and say, John, we've searched the nation. We're 
<laughs> how, did, how did that happen? That's great. Actually, a staff member from Kingsway had moved on to Connection Point and in this very position. And he wasn't there in this position I'm in now only for a few months, but they saw he was much younger and so talented that they had this new position they were wanting to make in Connections. And they asked him if he would move over to that area. And so he did. And on his exit interview, they said, do you have any ideas who we can get? And he said, yeah, John Knoll, that's who you need to get. So they called me and um, to interview. And, you know, I was I was like so hesitant, like, I, what? And but, you know, every question I had one at a time, God gave me put that person right in front of me. They gave me the exact answer I needed to hear one by one. He, he knocked them off. So finally came to the final question. And I was meeting with Lou Stoops, graduated Johnson Bible College, said, Lou, okay, I got this question for you. I have one more left. And I'm telling you, he, I'll never forget. He put his head down. We just finished eating lunch and he raised his head. It was, it was the voice of God. I'm telling you. And when he told me what he did, I could feel those words go through my mind at the top of my head, literally, and go down my body through my heart, Mm. all the way through me. God's voice. And I just looked up and said, Lou, that's it. That simply is it. That's what I need to tell the people. That's the message that they'll understand that will click. And that is the reason why. Thank you. And and so God gave me that final word that I was able then to go and resign and move on and come to Connection Point two weeks before COVID hit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing like move when you're 65 years old, but you never thought you would. And then COVID hits where you went. Great way to get to know it, you know, a church. Yeah. Pretty oh cool. Oh my goodness. With each one of these changes in ministry, was Gail on board with every one of them? I mean, she right there with you. Yeah. You know, Gail is um, such an amazing wife. You know, you can't do better than Gail. And she's such a gift to me. Like, I, and that's another whole story. That's a lot of stories. But um, she is that kind. I mean, she grew up in a very good Christian home and um, she uh, would follow me anywhere because she she knows she wants she had a degree in in, um, ministry, too. And so she was excited to marry a minister to where she felt like she could use her. And in youth ministry, I mean, oh, my goodness, the girls loved her. They were always at our house staying overnight in children's ministry. She now we had that's one thing I didn't say, too, was so cool was in in the early 80s then when, when children's ministry just began, I entered children's ministry. So I got, again now, to watch and be involved in this new ministry, children's ministry, take off. All the conferences starting. You know, when I came to Indiana, there were no other children's minister at all in the whole area of Indiana except for uh, East 91st Street. So we couldn't even have a monthly meeting of them because there weren't any. Hmm. So I got to watch that whole thing develop and all the nationwide conferences and be involved in them. And um, that was really that was really cool as well. But Gail has was loved children's ministry and um, she helped me in doing musicals. And uh, she just has been a part of everything I've done and was able to even use her degree in teaching discovery days at Martinsville. And um, she also taught in the preschool at Chapel Rock. So everywhere we went, God has given her, you know, always first her kids, always. And um, but a, an amazing ministry uh, as well. So, oh, yeah, she. She, uh, of course, she was part of my decision. I, it was our ministry decision together. It was never my decision, 
But um, and we did a lot of talking and praying through them all. But it was neat because when God does it, it was easy for her to see that. And so how do you say no to God? It wasn't it wouldn't have been saying no to me. It would have been saying no to a move God was doing. Hmm. So that makes it a lot easier for a couple when you know God's in it. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. You sort of touched on this earlier, but uh, I want to I want to go into a little bit more detail with this. You said that your whole journey prepared you to be a care minister. So I, I'd like you to yeah. kind of summarize that in a nutshell. What are some of the nuggets, some of the things you learned in your journey that brought you to the point where you feel like you can now effectively serve as a care minister with Connection Point? I, I know that a lot of confidence. And when you do care ministry, you know, um, sure, we're in charge of hospitals and nursing homes and all that. But it's mainly the people who come in with prayer requests that have huge concerns bringing them in, sitting down in your office and talking with them and giving them a path of healing so they will come to a better place. And how do you do that? You have a lot of programs, divorce recovery, you mentioned, grief recovery, all these programs, knowing a lot of books, um, having a lot of life experiences that you can say, you know, I don't understand exactly, but I also have lost my, and to where people can identify and go, oh, this person's going to understand so after 34 and a half years of life experiences, hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Pretty much anybody that comes in, I've got something that I can relate to, to help me understand where they're coming from. I had done some funerals. I had done some weddings, but mainly I would say the confidence of doing ministry so long and making so many hospital calls, you know what I mean? And meeting and just speaking with people all those years, you know, you're still doing ministry all those years. So I would just say all those many years of ministry, uh, all God used them all. And something I remember, it's real important. The guy that mentored me for a year to do care ministry, I said, Paul, how in the world am I going to remember when I meet with people and they tell me their life story? How am I going to remember when I see them on Sunday, all these people? He goes, you know, John, I, this is my prayer for that. I pray that God will help me remember the ones I need to remember. Hmm. I thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. And that's what God's done. He helps me remember the ones he's faithful to that. Well, John, from what I know of your experience at Chapel Rock, just because our lives intersected there, uh, you had interaction with other Johnson University alumni from the perspective of a minister to intern kind of thing. And so I'm curious to know, uh, what was that experience like for you to be a mentor to, to Johnson students? Wow, I'm so glad you asked that question, because I say one of the main biggest highlights of my ministry years was my interns. I had 35 plus interns through the year. You don't find many people or ministers that have done that. And I think it's just because I had a high passion and belief. I, I love bringing these young kids in. Uh, they inspired me. They encouraged me. They gave me energy. They helped me as I got older to stay young. They were wonderful in my family with my kids. You know, I, So I was huge on interns. I had summer interns, but mainly I had year-long interns. And it's such the joy of my ministry now, you know, seeing them. I had one intern, and this is not for me. This is to say to people to think about getting an intern. She called me, and and she was here a whole year with another lady. And she said, John, I want you to know that your ministry is extended worldwide. I go, what? She said, well, I'm in New York, as you know, doing inner city mission to children. And she said, and I'm using all these things, you know, you gave me, you taught me, you shared with me. She said, and the other lady, she is in England. 
in a mission field doing children's ministry there. She said, so your ministry extends to the inner city of New York and all the way to England and who knows where else. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's so cool what God does. Like, you know, we couldn't plan that or we couldn't put that together. We don't even think about it. We just follow what God puts in front of us. But look what he's doing. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, interns are the best. Like, go to the trouble, go to the effort, go to the finances and do it. Just do it. And it will be the joy, the highlight of your your ministry experience. Hmm. So cool. Wow. Yeah, so, I could go on forever without my interns. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, one of your interns went by the affectionate name Opie. Yes, Mike Edmonds. Just talked <laughs> to him the other day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's funny. And I know that yeah. I know that you had Johnson grads working with you at Kingsway. Uh, quite a few. Yeah. It's it's just sort of amazing the way that lives interact interact intersect uh, and touch one another uh, I, a, a lot of our uh, sojournal podcast listeners will not know how our our lives you know intersected oh my um but total god story yeah yeah, j- yeah. so uh john noel uh, nurtured and mentored and discipled my stepson when my wife and i were trying to determine what was up with this god thing <laughs> And so we would drop my stepson off at Chapel Rock so he could go to Sunday school. And my wife and I would head over to Hardy's for all you could eat biscuits and gravy on Sunday morning. <laughs> and then we'd come back together and we'd go to, you know, the main congregational worship together there at Chapel Rock. Uh, but John, you know, I've told you the story before, you know, you poured into I, my son uh, <laughs> so much so that he made the decision that he wanted to be baptized. And he brought that decision to my wife and I and and we're like, well, tell us about this baptism thing. And he's like, well, maybe you should talk to John. <laughs> you know, so he, he tells us as best he can, you know, what he's come to right. learn and understand and why that's important. And, uh, you know, he gets us connected with you. We learn a little bit. We go to the basic, basic Christian doctrine class or whatever it is that Chapel Rock was hosting. And we right. learn a little bit more and we sort of get this idea that, okay, this is a decision we need to make. And the Sunday morning we decide to make that decision. Uh, the minister was not there, and John, you were. <laughs> yeah. And you were the one that got to baptize all three of us. Yeah. Still remember that like it was yesterday. That's- so, what story are are you going to share with your uh, team there at Connection Point, your care team at Connection Point? Well, um, just to make it a little real simple, I won't go into the story because it could be too long, but. I, I just couldn't believe I moved seven miles and seven miles. Like, God, is this, even when I did it, was doing, like, is that bad? Is that okay? Like, is this really what you want? But I could tell that was God's plan. And I moved here. And what's so cool is I remember my wife saying, John, are you going to be able 25 years? Are you going to be able to go seven miles down there and leave these people here? I said, well, yeah. I said, you know, I think so. I said, but Gail, I can tell you this. There's some I'm not going to walk away from. I said, I've been with them too long and I, and I, you know, there's some connections that I just can't. And when I came here, before I even said anything, they said, John, you've been here a long time. It's seven miles down. Don't, don't worry. We know you're not going to cross the line. Don't feel, feel free to minister to those people. It's all about the kingdom. Hmm. You know, it's not about each. And so, you know, what's interesting when I came here? Yeah, there was a couple here and there. But what I was really ministering to the very first week, I ministered to three different families from Chapel Rock, from two ministries back. How did that happen? 
So that's what blew me away. I said, Gail, I'm ministering to the Chapel Rock people, not the, the Kingsway people hardly. Some, but mainly Chapel Rock, because think about it. I was there when there's kids that I ministered to, right? Those kids are now adults with families. Mm. And the very first week, I got a call from some of those kids who are now adults with family. Their dad had died and their parents had gotten divorced. They were a very prominent family in the church, very good workers for me, but there was a divorce quite a while back. And their mom said, this is your dad. You know, we're not together. We haven't been, you guys need to take care of this. They, she said, who do you want to do your funeral? They said, John Noel. Mm -hmm. So how cool that how many years down the road, they remembered me being their children's minister. And it just, the stories go on and on like that. So what's cool is how I'm seeing God tie those three ministries together. And he's, because I was at all three, that he knew that would make a lot of ties that I would never see or be able to put together that he's putting together and it keeps going on and on. And the other neat thing about that is there is no competition between these churches. There's no competition. They all love each other. They all encourage each other. They all support each other. And how cool is that? That three churches, good sized churches, mega churches, Chapel Rock, Kingsway and Connection Point are all three ministering together and tied together in many different ways. And isn't that neat? I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's no, and that's why I could move seven down miles down the road and seven miles down the road again, because they're all ministering together in a different ways. And just stories keep happening. And only because I was connected to all three churches, am I the one that God can come to and say, John, you're the one because you, you've experienced this, you've known them from, from there. And they're so close. It, it's all coming together. Isn't that really neat? Mm-hmm. And what a cool way for me, to, my last ministry, to end up in something like that, you know, to see. It's just a confirmation to me that God is totally putting this together. What jumps out to you about your Johnson experience? That's good. Um, yeah, so many things. Um, the closeness of the students and the professors, you know, living on campus. Um, I That was so meaningful to me in so many different ways. But the acceptance at Johnson. I remember Bruce Thurston, who's passed away now, who was like the Pillsbury Doughboy, couldn't do a push-up, couldn't do a sit-up. In second year, he's doing a number of push-ups and, and all along the way, you know, he wasn't made fun of ever. He was encouraged. He was cheered on. Mm. That stood out to me about Johnson Bible College, everybody. Um, the, the deepness of friends, um, how, this doesn't happen. Um, we had very, very close friends. Gail said I was, I was a part of the best class there ever was at Johnson. I mean, we just had a very special class. The class of 76, even though I graduated 77, my real first class was 76. But imagine being so close to friends that get married. And so now I, these, there's these five couples that um, I was close, not only to the men, but the women as well. We were all together and all great friends at Johnson Bible College. 40 years later, 40 years after 40 years of ministry, 40 years of marriage, five of us couples got together and went on a seven-day cruise. I mean, who stays married 40 years and, and goes into the same profession and stays in it for 40 years, and then those people go on a cruise? It was like pinching ourselves that whole seven days. It was amazing. It was hard because, honestly, there was a lot of couples we wanted to ask, but you know, you can only take five, to 10 at a table, and that was hard. I'm just saying that publicly. That was hard. But we wanted 10 people that all knew each other and spouses well. And, and it, so it would just click and it did. And, and that was quite a moment. Every minute of every day, 
filled with stories left and right of, you know, these five different couples sharing together. So you can imagine after 40 years of ministry, questions and comments and that we had the stories to share with each other. It was, but where does that happen? I mean, that happens at Johnson Bible College mm. and the homecomings, you know, homecomings have always remained special to us. While you were a student, they're special. Even when you get old like this, you know, now we're that old section. We sit in that section with, we were students going like, oh my, look at them, they're old and dying. Now we're in that section, you know, it's, it's so weird and how fast it comes, but man, every year homecoming gets more special mm. because you have more life experience and you understand more and more what Johnson, you know, I had a guy I worked on really hard. Um, he was a godsend to me in children's ministry and God, God knew I needed a man in this particular area. And he sent me one and this guy ended up, uh, coming to Johnson Bible College. He lost his job because of 9-11. It was Mitch Pointer. Mm. And he sold everything, literally gave up everything, retirement, everything, come to Johnson Bible College. So Mitch Pointer goes to Johnson and he had heard me talk about Johnson for years and years. And I remember the first homecoming when he was a student, I came down, he stood in the background and he took pictures of me talking to all my different friends from years past being at Johnson together. And he said, John, I had to do that. It was so fun for me. He said, I wanted to see what it was like. He, goes, he said, now, now when you would talk about Johnson Bible College, he goes, I'd, I'd listen, but I didn't really take it in. He goes, now I'm part of that heritage. And I'm so proud to be part of that heritage. And Johnson, he said, now I get it. Mm. And with all those things you told me before, they were just, I was being nice listening, but now they make sense. And now I'm a part of it. He goes, I, I love this. And I had to take pictures of you. He said, and as I did, I was trying to picture you as a 19-year-old as a kid with a great big afro as a student here, you know, single. Yeah. He said, of course, it's changed now. But, um, <laughs> but how cool to get somebody to go there and uh, be a part of that heritage and now understand it because it is just the coolest heritage. I mean, who has professors living on campus? Mm -hmm. and, and Johnson just has so many different things together. You know, financially, they have, through the years, done such an amazing job of running that school. And now they're able to help other schools. Wow, that's quite a testimony mm. right there. They've made a lot of good choices through the years. Great leadership. So, yeah, I wouldn't trade anything. Um, if I had to do over again, you guarantee I'd sign up for Johnson University. Can you tell me something that you've learned in your ministry experience that you would really want our seniors, graduating seniors to know before they leave and enter ministry? What's, what's something that you wish you would have known when you were a senior that you have learned now? Well, you can't help people change if you're not changing. Billy Graham every year at the end of the year would say, I look back on my life and if the year ever comes when I haven't grown some spiritually, then I will, I will get out of ministry. Mm. I, have to, I have to keep growing. And so that's the thing. You gotta challenge yourself and you gotta do whatever you need to do to keep growing because if you don't, you can guarantee it's just like the scripture says, you know, turn away, flee from the devil, but draw nigh unto God. If you fleeing away from the devil is one thing, but if you're not going to draw nigh unto God, then you're going to run to the devil. You're going to run one direction. Hmm. So you better be running to God or you're going to find yourself running to Satan and he's going to get you. He's going to trap you. So you got to keep the simple things of praying. And, and the other thing is um, your spouse. Man, you cannot let that one go. Um, I remember uh, Kevin O'Brien, when I came to Chapel Rock, he was packing his boxes 
moving as I was unpacking my boxes coming in. And I said, Kevin, give me some good advice. Like you're, I always looked up to him, you know, and he's a little bit older than me. And I said, give me some good advice. And one of the things he told me was, he said, John, love your wife and keep that good. He said, because here's the deal. The church will not care about your marriage until it's too late. And then they'll care because hmm. now, now it reflects on them. You're getting a divorce. He said, so you can't put that on them. That's on you. And the other thing he told me, which was one of my other good advices is take your day off. Nothing gets in the way of your day off. He said, if you start doing anything on your day off, you, then you'll, it'll get worse and worse and you won't have a day off. He goes, you have to take a day off for yourself, for your family, your wife, rest, something different, different direction. And, you know, I've always done it. And I can tell you this, I've gotten plenty of people mad at me because I wouldn't come to meetings. I wouldn't come to meetings because uh, it was my day off. I said, sorry, well, then maybe I won't be a part of this. I'm not working on my day off. One last question for you. If you had 60 seconds to deliver any message at all to the world, what are you going to say in those 60 seconds? Now, while you think about your answer, let me do this. The Sojournal Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University and is brought to you by the Alumni Association. Whether you graduated from Central Florida Bible College, Johnson Bible College, Florida Christian College, or Johnson University, you are a part of the alumni family. Join the Alumni Association and help encourage and equip alumni and students as they pursue kingdom-focused vocations. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash alumni. So John Knoll, graduate of the class of 1977 from Johnson University, Tennessee. Do you have a one-minute message for the world? Well, when you first said that, I guess I'll stick with the very first thing that hit me. That is, go ye into all the world, preach and teach the gospel. Um, as I've done ministry over all these years, there's all these things that are important. They're all important. They're all important. You go into a hospital and you're visiting somebody. But you go to the hospital and you visit that person because they're deathly sick and you minister to them and you encourage them and you go home and you find out later that that night you left, they died. And then you also find out they weren't a Christian. Hmm. Are you kidding me? That's happened to me more than once. And you say, I had a moment with that person and I didn't even talk to them about the most important thing in life, their relationship, or do they even have one with God? And so that has always been my number one focus to God remind me the number one thing I need to do with people is share the gospel, make sure they know who you are. And I could tell you story after story on people that I simply said, has anybody shared the gospel with you? And they said, no. And I said, would you like me to? And they said, yes. I've never had anybody say, no, I don't want you to share it. So the number one, keep the great commission first and foremost. Um, and whatever ministry you're doing, um, whatever you're doing in life, because that is the most one thing, and that's the eternal thing. Everything else disappears, fades away, but life forever is the only thing that counts. Very good words. Thank you very much for uh, letting me put you on the spot like that and for your answer. John, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure to get to spend this time with you. I really appreciate you giving us your time and uh, look forward to seeing what the Lord does uh, through you uh, with Connection Point in Brownsburg. Thank you so much for being a part of the Sojournal Podcast today. Thank you, Tyson. It was a joy. New episodes of the Sojournal Podcast drop each Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. We'll see you then.